Join us for the ETF.com Awards on May 2nd in New York City to honor and celebrate innovation, excellence, and growth in the ETF industry. With an impressive panel of expert judges, a record number of nominees, and more than 200 of the most influential players in the ETF space, this is one event you won't want to miss. Reserve your seat today at awards.etf.com. This is ETF.com's Exchange Traded Fridays podcast, a weekly podcast covering developments in the ETF industry. I'm managing editor Heather Bell, and I'm joined by Alexander Morris from FN Investments. His firm's U.S. Treasury two-year note ETF, trading under the ticker UTWO, is a finalist in the ETF.com awards coming up in May. Thanks for joining the podcast, Alex. Heather, thanks for having me. Your firm entered the market last year with a very different take on treasury ETFs. Can you kind of give me the overall of how that came about? Absolutely. Um, just to, to set the table for everyone, our, our ETFs do something that's unique uh, to the ETF world, but pretty stock standard for risk managers across the globe, corporate treasuries, you know, and financial advisors for their clients. We buy the on-the-run U.S. Treasury, and if we think of the yield curve, you know whether we're we're cracking back into our economics lessons and maybe shuddering a little bit, or just uh, watching CNBC from time to time. The yield curve shows a number of key points that we then use and, and draw some lines between and talk about inversion or or flattening or steepening. But each of those is each of those points represents the most recently issued version of a Treasury security. And so take the two-year. The Treasury will issue a new, fresh Treasury, two-year Treasury security every month. And so at any one time, there's there's 24 of them. Then there's a whole handful of securities that are older that have just slowly made their way down to being about two years today. So it could be a 30-year bond that's 28 years old or a five-year bond that's three years old, so on and so forth. But they all try to trade around the same yield. But the thing that you see quoted, the thing that has the most liquidity, the tightest spreads, the one that you'd want to own if you wanted to be able to be tactical or dynamic or strategic in your view of what a two-year security is, is that on the run? And no ETF offered it, nor any of the other benchmarks. But nonetheless, buying that treasury as a bond is surprisingly complex. Sure enough, you can go to treasurydirect.gov and buy it from the government, and you can participate in the auction alongside Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan and all the other big banks and try to navigate that website. You can open up the other portions of the brokerage platform you've probably never looked at and try to think in fractions and then deal with all the messy cash flows that bonds have. Or you could buy U2. Uh, and U2 didn't exist. So when Pete Baden, my co-founder of the product, called up and we wanted to move some client assets into treasuries, but we wanted a universal price experience. And many of them were at platforms that charged trade-away fees or allocation fees, we realized we risked buying one of the safest securities in the world, and it would actually cost our clients money to do that. And that's when the light bulb went off, that there needed to be a better way. And the ETF structure provided all of the simplicity that we wanted. And we embarked on a few-week, few-month process of very thoughtfully trying to implement simple. And today, that's what we do. We buy the cash bond to your treasury. We roll it once a month. We do that, you know, with a lot of care and thoughtfulness and 
working with professionals and, and great pricing and, and the experiment of, of, of that has worked out better than expectations. And our tracking to the index and the two year itself has been extremely tight. The pricing that folks can get on the ETF has been a penny wide, uh, which is often tighter than you can buy the actual underlying security at, uh, given what retail platforms charge. And then we expanded that out to a handful of others to give folks a, a relatively sophisticated rates tool set, but one they can use in any account with the simplicity of a few tickers. I think you've got like, what, four ETFs currently trading on the market right now? Five now. We had one launch last week. That's right. I covered it. <laughs> so have you gotten any feedback from your or the investors in your ETFs as to how they're using them and, um, you know, what, uh, what the appeal is for them? Yeah, we've had an outpouring of, of interest uh, from all sorts of, of users, institutional users who are just happy that for interest, short-term interest, we should say, in rates, they don't have to learn how to trade bonds and deal with all the settlement issues. Um, from retail investors, the so the sort of the, wow, I don't have to go to Treasury Direct or this is so much easier. And now I get a monthly dividend stream. Uh, and most of the, the conversation has been really focused you know, on the FA sort of financial intermediary space, advisors who have been asked to ladder portfolios or have had you know, substantial client demand in treasuries who, you know, kind of look at us like we're the, the cavalry at the end of the Western movie, like, thank God, where have you been this whole time? Um, so it, it's been really pleasant to see and, and to experience that. Uh, and it's indeed why we started with three and we're up to five and we'll have three more uh, coming out at the end of the month to really help folks uh, prepare for a Fed pivot, whether that comes in 2023 or 2024, um, as it arrives though, and, and to help, you know, what we think should become a, a meaningful part of portfolios for a long time, this access to very surgical, precise yield curve uh, positioning. Alex, can you tell me about those five funds that you've launched in the last, I, I think only just several months? Happy to. Yeah. So in August, we launched the, the first three, uh, TBIL, T-Bill, which is a 90-day treasury product, U2, which I think brings us together here today, the two-year product, and U10, uh, U-T-E-N, which uh, targets the 10-year. And then based on investor interest, uh, we came out with the one-year product. That's the one-year on-the-run treasury, O-B-I-L or O-Bill. Uh, and then just last week, uh, X-Bill, which looks X-B-I-L, which goes after the six-month treasury. And all of that was really to help you know, finish off the short end of the curve, which folks are really interested in today. And then as we go forward uh, this month, we'll start to flush out the other key tenors at the long end of the curve uh, so folks can have that full rates experience. That sounds exciting. I can't wait to see what comes out next. You had mentioned that there is an institutional audience for this. And what I've you know, what, the thing that you always hear about ETFs is that they deliver an institutional type strategy to the retail investor. But are you doing the work of managing that treasury experience even more cheaply than or with less hassle than an institutional investor can do it? So the answer is maybe, and we think so. Um, certainly it's enough of a discussion that we're having it. Um, so some institutions will just buy the, the futures and they're great at managing basis risk exposure, and they have all the sophisticated systems and understanding to know how to do that. Many haven't really been in the rate space though, and 
traditionally just don't spend much time managing treasury exposure and rates risk. Um, certainly, as we've seen last couple of weeks, there are a few banks who you thought were supposed to be expert at that that turned out to have failed simple duration management 101. So we've seen many of those smaller institutions or hedge fund type investors who've used us when they otherwise wouldn't take a meaningful uh, position in rates or wouldn't have invested the infrastructure to become particularly adept at that. Additionally, there are some larger institutions who do some future management, but also have the need for cash bond positions and who just don't want to go through the hassle of rolling all of their treasuries because they know they're going to go through this relatively rough process. Uh, we've talked to a few who've told us point blank, they have a number of portfolios that aren't core to what they do every day. And it's basically, you know, the person who pulls the, the shortest straw has to spend half a day rolling forward all the treasuries that they have, which you know isn't a high value activity. It's one of those things, no one gets promoted for doing it okay. You just get yelled at for doing it poorly. So if they can outsource some of that risk and, and simplicity, why not? And the beauty of the ETF is at any moment, any tick during the day, they can change their mind, hit the sell button and have a good sell experience and then take that back under their own command. That's kind of cool. You can outsource the annoyance of managing the treasury exposure and you, you've got an, you can get in and out of the product easily. So I also understand that you've had a bit of a ownership change. We have. Um, since we launched these products, uh, we merged in, required by a firm called Diffractive Managers Group. It's a, a multi-boutique firm similar to us, a bit bigger in size. So if we bring all of our affiliates together, we came from the $4 billion in our platform to now about $25 billion total across all of the, the firms that they've made investments in. Uh, and it joins us with a, a much larger sales team uh, and then brings in some of the product innovation and, and focus that we've had to um, the, the team that they've assembled. So we brought them together. And then over the coming uh, weeks and months, we'll see a tighter integration uh, as we you know, become one, one firm formally. I know you also you know, look at the whole uh, fixed income market. And I was wondering, what is your outlook or expectations for fixed income in 2023? Oh, well, much to discuss there. The podcast is only about 20 minutes long, so this will only be your longest edition by several hours. Um, you know, look, rates have taken a very abrupt turn and, and added volatility in the last few days. But you know, ultimately, it's been a really great, I think, selling feature for the strength of the U.S. economy. Folks look at a 100 basis point, 80 basis point move in rates, and, and those are usually the type of things that get a name. Black Tuesday, Friday, Monday, 9-11, right? You, you see these on these really vanguard moments in, in history, particularly of financial markets. But that wasn't that the government decided, oh, we're going to issue you know, new debt at a lower amount. That was a, a flight to safety. And you know, when everyone is nervous, the FDIC backstops some banks, and then you see a flight to safety into treasuries and the dollar, which is really just proof that the strength of, of the U.S. economy and the U.S. government's ability to manage this. As we look out sort of what, what happens, you know, the Fed probably has another hike or two in them. I might be more aggressive in thinking it's two uh, than some of the market, but inflation is, is a real worry. And, and the Fed has learned it needs to stamp that out because it's really hard to fix if you, you know, stuff up the response a second time. Um, so I think they're going to want to stamp that out, which is going to keep rates higher for longer 
It's going to keep a material return in the treasury market for a longer time, which I think is healthy for investors. It probably wasn't a good idea to think that some of the safest investments in the portfolios could only yield between zero and 50 basis points. Um, you know, that wasn't a healthy experience for anybody. Bank offering zero or 10 basis points of interest in your checking account wasn't any incentive for anyone to save any money. Probably not good in the long run anyway. So I think the fixed income market, at least on the treasury side, is going to stay where it is, maybe fluctuate a little bit. But I think this is probably about what we're going to see, a little less volatility for the rest of the year. The, the real interesting part will be on the credit side of the space uh, of the market. You know, what happens if credit seizes up um, a little more? And spreads are already fairly tight now. Uh, there's clearly going to be some disruption in the financial services sector, particularly the regional bank sector. But even if we look yesterday, a handful of really well-run regional banks were up while a number of the, the less well-managed ones were, were down substantially and probably you know, will be uh, for the foreseeable future. But I think the credit space will, will continue to be necessary uh, and folks will be there. What I think from an ETF standpoint in, in fixed income is folks like us and, and some other folks out there are going to continue to try to innovate and find more interesting ways for investors to access that those spaces. Because many of them that we go to today, some of the big names out there that have you know hundreds of billions of dollars across them are performing a necessary service, but it's not one that's been innovated on in some time. And I think that market is really ripe for innovation. And we think we've done a little bit of that. You know, maybe what we've done is just turned over a rock that someone forgot to turn over or, or we were bold enough to try the experiment. Um, but I think there's a lot more to be done across multiple parts of the fixed income spectrum for ETFs. And we've got some ideas brewing now. I know there's a lot of clever people out there who are, are thinking similar and, you know, other and, and different things. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to see what we see coming out over the course of the summer uh, for launch in the autumn or just before the end of the year um, to help investors really take advantage of meaningful fixed income exposure for the long term. Yeah, that's it's it's such a complex situation now. It seems like. Do you see any like major pitfalls for investors in the fixed income space? Right. Sure. I think if we look to what happened with Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, it's proof that you know not all bonds are, are created equal, and even bonds that have the same credit profile can be very different based on their maturity, you know, and some of their underlying features. It's not as simple as buying a stock because all the stock looks alike, right? Ford famously has one ticker, but 200 and some odd debt and related issuances to it. So you have to be careful what you're looking for. And I think most investors need to appreciate that you know, the bond world seems kind of boring and you expect it to move slowly because it just pays interest. But there are a number of, of bonds that are spicier and, and you need to really understand what you're getting as well as the fact that since it is an exchange traded, if you're going to try to do this on your own, you need to really be careful about the spreads because the price you pay today and you think you can get out at tomorrow may be quite different. Uh, and that's where I think ETFs are helpful. You know, when you put a number of these together and you put it in the hands of professional market makers and traders, we can command better pricing and you know, have the relationships in place that allow us to do that effectively. It's much harder for individuals to do that on their own, particularly if they're not you know, experienced and seasoned traders. And when things start to trade in odd fractions and bizarre symbols uh, attached to it, 
when you deal with $10,000 face value as opposed to say $50 stock, it doesn't take a very, but a very small change in those numbers to make a very large unexpected difference. Uh, and that's where I, I think the ETF space will really help investors do that. Uh, but even inside of that, you know, folks are going to have to do the diligence, seek financial you know, professional advice, to understand how to position their portfolio. It's not as simple as say 6040 is just, you know, the S&P 500 and then insert any bond uh, portfolio here. There needs to be some thoughtfulness uh, to it. And I, I hope, um, you know, we and our, our, our brethren in the ETF space will do a good job at helping folks make good choices. Awesome. Well, we'll have to end it there, Alex. Thank you so much for joining me for the podcast. Thank you. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find this and all other Exchange Traded Fridays episodes on ETF.com or on any major podcast platform. See you next week.